Super Talk Mississippi media production. Running a business is tough. If you're struggling with HR benefits and payroll, you're not alone. Many businesses just don't have the resources to keep up. That's where MWG Employer Services comes in. We provide a full range of employer services with everything from payroll to benefits to HR services and compliance and can create a custom plan that fits your needs and budget. We're a Mississippi-based company that can help you focus on what you do best, growing your business. Call MWG Employer Services today at 601-206-7966 or go to MWG Employer Services You're listening to Sports Talk Mississippi On Demand, presented by Pearl River Resort. Escape to Choctaw, Mississippi and enjoy world-class gaming, the Dancing Rabbit Golf Club, and Geyser Falls Water Park. Escape to Pearl River Resort. From D2 to D3. Summer, spring, and fall, we cover the sports and we cover them all. With J.T. Mitchell. Best in sports reports listen here throughout the year what a way to bump us into a brand new show i'm your host jt mitchell and this is from d2 to d3 your new home for division two and division three sports coverage across magnolia state So we're finally here, episode number one, and I could not be more excited to launch it with you. This show is something we've been talking about and thinking about all summer long, and I'm glad we did decide to move forward with it. The plan is to dive further into the four Division II and Division III schools we have here in Mississippi. That includes Delta State and Mississippi College on the Division II side, and then Bellhaven and Millsaps on the Division III side. And the overarching goal of this show, at least to me, is to shine more of a light on these four schools and the laundry list of both women's and men's athletic programs they have and the stories that those programs have to tell. But before we continue, I am grateful that we have a sponsor to kick things off here on From D2 to D3, and that's Eve's Law Firm out of Jackson. I speak from personal experience. These are some of the best, if not the best, attorneys in the entire country. Yes, they do a lot of international work, but no case is too local for them. Doesn't matter if it's accident, injury, or anything else life throws at you. Contact Eve's today at 601 355 or go to eveslaw.com. Tell them JT sent you. So back to the basics of what my goals are with this show and how I plan to achieve those goals. Look, I will be honest with you. I'm a D3 product. I went to a D3 school, not here in Mississippi, but I do know that Division Three schools and Division Two schools have really rich histories, and they're not always told as in-depth as they could. And I know from growing up in Mississippi that the four D2 and D3 schools here really fall into that boat and have a lot of stories to tell, and we want to do that here on From D2 to D3. Just to name a few off the top of my head, number one, Boo Ferris. Yes, you may have heard that name. I mean, his name is on the trophy given out each year to the state's top college baseball player. But do you know how Boo Ferris came to affect not only the city of Cleveland, not only Delta State, but the sport of baseball as a whole? That's something we can dive into. Number two, Lucia Harris, another Delta State grad. She was one of just two women ever drafted to 
to the NBA. I'd love to catch up with some of her former teammates or some others close to her and her amazing story. And then number three, we could look into how how Mummy and Mike DeBose, two Division I standout coaches, one at Alabama and one at Kentucky, ended up in Mississippi coaching in the small college ranks of Division Three. And who knows, both of those guys might want to come on the show at some point. But that's just to name a few D2 and D3 stories. There are plenty more that we can use this platform, Super Talk. Mississippi has been so gracious enough to give me as we move forward. But for today's purposes, let's just focus on episode number one. We may or may not have strategically aligned today's show with the start of football season. I mean, can you really blame us? We are just days away from football, not weeks, not months, but days away from football being back in the Magnolia State. And if there's one thing Mississippi does well, it's playing football. On Thursday, August 31st, Millsaps and Bellhaven will play in the annual Riverside Rumble. Mississippi College will go to NAIA Kaiser, and Delta State will head over to Missouri S&T. But before that, we do have a little Mississippi football if you need to get your fix. Jackson State and South Carolina State will be live in the annual SWAC Meek Challenge this Saturday. But I'll let the guys a studio over at Sports Talk Mississippi discuss that one since FCS falls into their show. But for us, the Riverside Rumble means that D3 football is finally back, and I cannot be more stoked. Just for history's sake, let's do a little bit of a reminder here. So the Riverside Rumble began in 2003, five years after Bellhaven started their football program. Millsaps' football program is much, much older, dating back to 1920. And the namesake of the game refers to Riverside Drive, which if you know Jackson, it spits out from Millsaps and goes all the way down to Bellhaven, connecting the two rival schools. And by the way, Riverside is actually getting a makeover. I don't know if you've been down there recently, but not as many potholes, not as many divots. You don't have to get out of your car anymore and push it up or out of a hole. So that's a plus going into next Thursday. The all-time series record is 7-5 to five in favor of Bellhaven. And in 2018, they introduced a sword as a trophy. Since both teams' brands include swords, you can picture the Millsaps M with the sword going through it, and then the Bellhaven B with the sword going behind it. So kickoff will be 7 o'clock sharp at the Bellhaven Bowl in the historic Bellhaven neighborhood in Jackson. Last year, it was on the other side of Riverside at Harper Davis Field, where Bellhaven came out on top. 49 to 21, but this year's location, if you've never been to the Bellhaven Bowl, I highly recommend that you try to get out there next Thursday. It is, without a doubt, one of the nicest D3 stadiums in all of football. Now that they finally got rid of that train cart or whatever it was that was the fill-in press box and got a real one, that stadium is complete. It's got the nice lawn area where students and fans can sit, probably seats a little north of two. 2000 in terms of chair backs and bleachers. They're also building a parking garage, which should be almost done by now, if not already done, where fans can actually get out on top and look down at the field. It is undoubtedly a fine stadium. 
So what we're going to do today is catch up with both coaches, Bellhaven head coach Blaine McCorkle and Millsap's interim head coach Corey York. Then we'll come back from both of those interviews. I'll throw a few quick shots at you from across the D2 and D3 landscape, one of which is an all-black turf field. Yep, an all-black turf field recently installed at a D3 school in New York. We know that wouldn't fly here in our state. We'll talk more about that as well as some other headlines. We'll do some over and unders for both Bellhaven and Millsaps. Then next week, we're hoping to talk to head coaches from Mississippi College and Delta State as they gear up for their week one contest. Does that sound good? Okay, you really don't have a choice, so let's dive in. Here's Blaine McCorkle. We're here with Bellhaven head coach Blaine McCorkle, and we're just days away from kickoff. He has everybody back on campus, and practice is now in full force. How are things going, coach? Oh, it's been great. We've had a really good camp so far. We brought in 104 players, uh, a lot of returners. Uh, we brought in 30 new freshmen, and I think we've got 21 seniors, 20 of which have already graduated, so we've got a lot of uh, we're, we're an old team for the first time, so we're pretty excited about that. And to be an old team is good um, at this point. I mean, y'all are coming off a record-breaking year, uh, record year, 8-2, and two, the best record in program history. You came aboard in 2018, had a couple of years of rejuvenating the program. 2020 threw a wrench into it all. And then spring of 2021, y'all really started to pick it up. 3-2, and 7-3 and three and 21, and then 8-2 and two last year. With an old team, how close do you feel like you guys are to taking that next step? Well, I, I think we're close. You know, our program has, has definitely grown a lot. You know, we did have a lot of work to do when our staff first got here in 2018. Um, you know, that first year we went 2-8 and eight and our games really weren't close. Um, we had a lot of work to do talent-wise, culture-wise, as much as anything, um, commitment-wise. And then year two, we went 2-8 and eight again, but uh, – the games were a little bit closer. You know, you could, you could kind of see some things coming, but we were starting a lot of freshmen. And, you know, COVID hit, and COVID has actually was really, really good for our program because it allowed us to take a lot of the young guys that were kind of forced to play, take a step back, let them grow, develop, um, bond, uh, get our culture straight. So that whole fall of 2020 where we didn't play, we spent as much time getting to know each other and building a culture as we did X's and O's, you know, and then when the spring season rolled around, uh, we started off 0-2, had two pretty tough losses, and then uh, that's when things kind of clicked. We finally won a close game against Louisiana College, and I think since that time we've been about 18-5, and five, I think. I think we were 4-18 and 18 before COVID. We've been 18-5 and five since, so it really uh, – we, we, we took advantage of it and it paid off. That's right. I mean, it seemed like the switch flipped from 2019 to spring of 2021, and last year, I mean, was incredible. I mean – I know almost doesn't count in very few instances, but 15 points away, I'm sure you know that, from a perfect record, 8-2 and two at the end of the day. And you have a lot of production coming back. I think you have six of 11 all-conference guys returning. If you want to go through that with us a little bit, we can start with the offensive side. you got quarterback Tim Johnson back. He had a pretty good year last year. I think right under 2,000 total yards. How's he looking so far in camp? Yeah, he's had a good camp. You know, this was, uh, you know, last year was his first time to be a full time starter. So he's got a full season 
uh, running the show under his belt. So he's had a lot of really good confidence this this training camp. Um, he's leading at a little bit of a different level maybe than he did last year just from that experience having going through it. But um, he's done really well, and uh, he's a dynamic player. You know, he can throw it around pretty good, and he can he can tuck it and run when he needs to, and, and he's commanding the offense, and he's got a good grasp of it. And we're really excited about what he's done. Um, and you know, you, you're right. Uh, we've got ten of eleven starters back on offense. You know, you mentioned the guys we have back, but offensively specifically, you know, we lost our center Charlie Ballou uh, and Cole Gaddy. Kind of split times there. They were both really, really good players for us. Charlie was a captain, uh, but the guy that's coming back to replace him, you know, is going to do just as good, if not better, a job. So really, our, our everything you saw on offense last year, you'll see again uh, to a T this year. Uh, starting with Tim. And if it starts with Tim, I would go out on a limb and say quarterback might be the hardest position in all of sports, but it also starts up front. And one guy who's made some headlines recently is Kendrion Boatman, named a preseason All-American. He's coming back. And you had an interesting quote here. Of course, you said he's one of the best offensive linemen in the country, but you also went on to say that off the field, he's just as equally impressive. Team captain twice, honor student, working on his master's degree, a great husband. It really just sounds like this kid is living the life and is a great teammate while at it. What do you have to say about Boat? Boat's special. He, he really is. He's uh, and he's one of those once-in-a-lifetime players. He And I, I say that with all sincerity. He, he truly is one of the best offensive linemen in Division Three. You know, they made him preseason All-American third team. I want to see who the four that are better are. Because I, I haven't seen him on tape yet. You know, he's, he's pretty stinking good. Uh, sometimes in Division Three football, uh, the media's bias is, is, is kind of in the Midwest. You know, so if you kind of look at those teams, you can kind of see that pretty quick. Um, but he is an unbelievable football player. I think he could play for a lot of people at a lot of levels. He started every game since he's been here, uh, which he shouldn't have. You know, when he came in, you know, he was part of some of those two and eight teams that weren't very good. He had to play because we didn't have anybody else, and he's kind of grown up through it. But he is, at, you know, every semester uh, the last couple of years that he didn't have a 4.0, he would call me when the grades came out and apologize for having a 3.8. You know, <laughs> he just. He's, he's that kind of kid, you know, and he is working on his master's, and um, he's a grown man. He handles his business, you know, and in today's society, in 2023, you don't see guys like this. I mean, he preaches in his church every third or fourth Sunday, and, you know, he, he made a grown man decision to uh, marry his high school sweetheart now instead of just wait until life settled down because it's the right thing to do, and it's really neat to watch them two kind of grow together, and, you know, his wedding this summer was special. He had about 20 of his teammates up there standing with him, and um, just a neat, neat guy that kind of represents uh, everything that we want the young men in our program to be. Oh, man. Sounds sounds like a great young man. And Bellhaven's not an easy school, by the way, if you're out there listening. Not an easy That's school right. at all. Moving to defense. Uh, well, actually, before we go to defense, you were talking about he got third team. I agree that D3Football.com does tend to have a Midwest bias. I think the difference we see is that Division One has a ton of outlets just constantly covering Division three, right. it's really reliant on, on D3Football.com in terms of right. the media perspective. So you would not be shocked if he, by the end of the year, is a first-teamer or a second-teamer. That's right. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, the other guy on our offense that kind of falls into that same category is our running back, Colby Blunt. Um, you know, Colby was a first-team all-conference player last year. He'll be a senior. He and Tim Johnson were actually high school teammates together. They've been playing the ball together since they were five. And uh, Colby, before the season's over, if he, he can have less yards this year than he did last year. I think he had 1,100 and some change last year. I think he needs 1,076 to be our school's all-time leading rusher. 
uh, record, which is actually held by his position coach, Brad Foley, which is pretty cool. Um, but, you know, they're, they're, I don't think there's a better run back in Division Three football than Colby Blunt, but it's going to go to some guy named Tanner in New Hampshire somewhere that's playing tennis shoe ball because he's going to have 3,000 yards. You know, that's just kind of the – the biases we're talking about with Division Three football. Um, but Colby Blunt, you know, just like Boatman, is a guy that could play for a lot of people at a lot of levels. And uh, he, he's a unique running back, too. I led our conference in rushing last year. And when he's running behind a guy like Kendry and Boatman and all those guys up front, he, he's a pretty dangerous guy. I was surprised Blunt didn't get some sort of preseason honor. But, uh, you know, you see a yeah. lot of guys, they get preseason honors, and they don't end up on that postseason list. So maybe it'll be the other way around for him. So offense is looking great. 10 of 11 guys returning. Defense, I have a few questions here. You're losing Connor Fordham. Made a lot of tackles. I think fifth most in school history. You're losing Eli Webb to the transfer portal. He was the conference's defensive freshman of the year last year. What's it been like replacing those guys? And how is the defense shaping up overall? Well, Connor Fordham is a lot. Everything that I said about Kendry and Boatman, Kendry and Boatman will tell you he wants to be Connor Fordham when he grows up. <laughs> so, in fact, we give an award in our team um, because of Connor Fordham. Uh, we call it the Luke 252 Award um, that Jesus grew in uh, size, stature, and favor within God and man. It's kind of who's kind of grown up through the program and, and represents us the way that we should. And Connor wore number seven. So now every year, whoever kind of uh, epitomizes those traits will wear number seven in honor of Connor Fordham. Uh, Kendry and Boatman got it this year. Um, obviously, he can't wear seven, but we'll put a seven on his jersey there. And Connor Fordham, same thing. You know, he, he played as a graduate student last year. Uh, got married before his senior year. You know, he's getting ready in a year to head to a uh, really high-end missionary school. Uh, I believe in Tijuana to go. He, he's going to do some life-changing things. We used to joke about Connor Fordham. He was one part Bit Buckus and one part Billy Grant. You know? <laughs> and that's who he was because when he decided to play football, he played it with everything he had. So you don't replace Connor Fordham, um, but there's a young man uh, behind him that's replacing him right now named Landry Huddleston, who's a sophomore out of Mobile area as well, who is just a tough, physical, runs really well, may have a few physical attributes that Connor actually didn't have. He's just a younger player uh, that we're really excited about, and, and uh, I think he's got a great future and will do a good job. So, of course, a loss there, um, but you're feeling confident yeah. about the defense overall? That's right. Yeah, I'm feeling really good about it. Any other guys worth mentioning to the listeners to look out for this season? Yeah, at our defensive line, Carlton Brown uh, is a dynamic player. Um, he's, I don't know what his stats are. He's got a pile of sacks. And I think uh, against Southwestern last year, he broke the school record for tackles for a loss in a game with six, I think. And it was just uh, fantastic to watch. Two years ago, he was actually a second-team All-American for us. Uh, first uh, guy to get on an All-American team since the school made the switch to Division Three, which is pretty cool. Um, and he can really play all three spots for us up front and a really dynamic player. And then on the back end, T.J. Hersey started 35 games at corner and will be a senior for us, and he's one of our defensive captains as well. And, um, he, you know, he's not a big interception machine, but he's going to break up everything that comes his way. I mean, the, the, the number of pass breakups he has is phenomenal. Um, so we've got some good guys back, and we do have some holes to fill, as you mentioned, losing Connor. Uh, we lost Faison Locke at the other corner, who had started 40 games here for us and was a, an all-conference player, and then Corey Tolliver at free safety. But I think we've got some good candidates in the – they're actually all sophomores coming up uh, to fill in some spots at those 
uh, those spots in the secondary as well. So uh, we'll definitely be younger on defense, but I think it's a, a talented group to replace those guys. Any coaching changes worth pointing out? I know the core is still there. Yeah, uh, both coordinators are still in place. Uh, we lost Tyson Walkenheim, who coached our tight ends. He had opportunity to go coach Division One football. He went to Towson up in Baltimore, which is a good opportunity for him. And we did some shuffling on offense there, so, so we didn't really lose anybody. We just shuffled some guys around. And then Alvin Vaughn, who coached our secondary, was our special teams coordinator. I uh, actually got a job with the Buffalo Bills, which is pretty cool. It was a great opportunity for him. And we brought in a guy named Justin Williamson, uh, who was a player uh, for me when I was at the University of Richmond. Uh, he'll, yeah, we did some shuffling on defense. He'll coach our linebackers and our special team. And he, he brings a lot of energy. And uh, he's been at a couple of schools. He was at Norfolk State for a while. He was at Bridgewater, who's a you know a powerhouse in Division Three, And we were able to get him down here this year. So uh, a couple changes. Uh, really excited about Justin being here and bringing some new energy on defense and in the kick game. Uh, but the core, the core is still in place. Before I let you go, I want to ask a couple of off-the-field questions. All you have to do is turn on the TV or the radio, and you can hear NIL and Transfer Portal Talk. I've looked over your roster, and I don't see many guys who played at a different four-year school before coming to Bellhaven. How much has Bellhaven utilized the Transfer Portal? Uh, very little. Very little, and I don't plan on it. If guys don't want to be here, see ya. We, we, we want to recruit guys that are excited to be at Bellhaven. And, uh, you know, if you, if you think you're better than us and you think you can go try something bigger and you can be successful, well, good luck. We'll pull for you. Um, but we really haven't, well, we know, I think two kids got in the transfer portal last year, but very replaceable kids um, by what we have on our roster now. So it wasn't really like it hurt us. And then we're not going to go out and recruit a bunch of guys off the portal unless there's a unique situation that we kind of have a relationship with a kid and kind of know what we're getting. So um, it hasn't really affected us much uh, as far as the portal. Now you look at some of the teams in our conference, you know, this, I mean, there's a team in our conference that I think has got 30 kids in there, you know, year in, That's year some Deion so, Sanders stuff. Yeah, yeah. So good for them um, if they can bring kids in, but they're definitely losing kids for it. So and that's what, you know, the kids have to understand, too, is no nobody's going into the portal to recruit kids from a lower level. They're going to the recruit kids from a higher level and bring them down to bolster their roster, not the other way around. So for us, you know, if people are recruiting off a Division three roster, they've probably got some problems in their program. Um, so... That's kind of how I see that. Now, as far as the NIL stuff, honestly, I wish we were doing more. You know, I wish we could get all of our kids NIL deals because none of our kids are on scholarship. Um, you know, we kind of laugh at our level sometimes when you see all these interviews with the Division One schools talking about all oh, these kids can't even go out and get a hamburger. Well, yeah, they can. <laughs> you know, I, I played at that level and I've been around it a little bit. Uh, I promise you, I never missed a meal because they got training tables right there in their facilities. They got they already were getting cost of attendance. And now they're getting a lot of money on top of it. And full scholarship and cost of attendance is a lot of money in your pocket. So those kids were far from being broke, regardless of where they came from. You know, our kids are truly going broke just to chase the dream of playing college football because they're taking out loans and they're using financial aid and work study and having to get summer jobs. So I would love to see us advance uh, the NIL opportunities in Division Three because these are the kids that truly need it. Yeah, I think a lot of people don't realize, people in our world, of course, they realize that Division Three isn't scholarship-based. These kids love football. They're trying to advance that dream. And with NIL on the D3 level, I think in a place like Jackson, it could really be a win-win situation for both companies and the schools. I'm all for it. Yeah, I would, I would love for all the local businesses in the Bellhaven neighborhood, Fondren area, whatever, uh, to reach out and do that because we've got some kids that are in legitimate need, you know, that are just trying to get a degree and play football. Um, so I think it'll be awesome. But the problem is I'm not allowed by NCAA rules to set that up. But 
um, we can definitely uh, put them in the right direction and, and make sure things are done from a compliance stance and legally and stuff like that. So if anybody listens to this and they're interested, we can definitely point you in the right direction to, to definitely help our kids out. Um, I'm all for it. Well, hopefully that will get some connections for Bellhaven and the NIL program. One more question for you, Coach. Obviously, we know that Division Three football is a really special thing, but a lot of people, they don't realize that. What would be your pitch to people to come out to a Bellhaven home game this fall? Yeah, I, here's how I kind of equate it to people who are kind of uh, un, unfamiliar with it. If you like minor league baseball, you would love Division Three football. Um, because, you know, you watch minor league baseball, you go watch the Embraves, and it's a guy just trying to prove himself. It's a guy with a little bit of a chip on his shoulder. It's a guy playing with everything he's got because he loves the game and he's trying to do something. Division three football is the same thing. You know, these guys are a little bit a little bit grumpy, a little bit bitter, have a little bit of a chip on their shoulder about not having that scholarship that they want out of high school. But, man, they love football. They love their teammates, and they want to play hard. So it's a really fun product to watch. It's a, it's a higher level than people expect. There are some really good football players out there. And the game day atmosphere at Bellhaven right now is pretty special. You know, our, our games, we don't charge for games. You can come for free. But you better come early because the stadium's been, the last two years, has been absolutely packed. Um, you've got a big hillside in the end zone that's covered up with people and kids are running up and down the hill and there's food trucks and tents. And it is a great family atmosphere to watch some really good college football right here in your hometown. And uh, you will play Millsaps on Thursday night. And that is a great atmosphere. If you've never been to the Bellhaven Millsaps game, um, I encourage you to come check it out. You know, it's it's a big crowd. It's loud. It's chippy. Our guys don't like each other. It's, it's what a college football rivalry should be. And, and hopefully we can get a good crowd out there again. And, and if you come once, you're going to want to come again. I promise you that. Yeah, I think you hit the nail on the head there. So thanks for coming on the program, Coach. We wish you a great season. And now we're actually going to the other sideline and we'll catch up with interim Millsaps head coach, Corey York. All right, we're back with From D2 to D3. I'm your host, J.T. Mitchell, and I'm not alone. We just caught up with Bellhaven head coach Blaine McCorkle, and now we've got interim Millsaps head football coach Corey York on the other line. Hey, coach, what's going on? You know, just another day and trying to enjoy fall camp and stay out of this heat as much as we possibly can. Yep, it's the epitome of hot out there, but we're glad to have you on the program. How's preseason camp going so far? You know, it's been great. You know, as coaches, we spent a lot of the summertime, you know, kind of locked away in our offices and uh, trying to, you know, get to this moment. So the guys are excited. They're all glad to be back and they're working extremely hard and having a lot of fun as well. Man, I can remember the days. So you have an interesting story. Before being promoted to interim head coach in April, you coached three years at Millsaps and six years at your alma mater, Mississippi College. Mostly offensive line, but a variety of position groups on both sides of the ball you have worked with. From an outside point of view, one could assume that your predecessor, Isaac Carter, was more of a defensive-oriented mind. He's now off to the University of San Diego to be their DC. For you, though, would you consider yourself more of an offensive mind, or do you teeter between offense and defense? I guess the question is, what is a team coached by Corey York going to look like? You know, I can tell you from from what I'm trying to breed here with the culture of our program is we are going to do well with discipline. Um, that's something that's just a uh, uh, a pillar of what we preach daily here, uh, not only in practice, uh, but, but off the field as well. The next thing that is big for us is adversity, learning how to 
handle adversity, what to do when adversity strikes. And we're not blessed to always be in a situation of being up in a game. You know, there's going to be times where things are not going to go our way. And the majority of the success that we will have is being able to bounce back from those things. Um, so for me, that's, that's been the big things we push. It's, it's going to be handling adversity, being disciplined, and having some fun with it, too. Trying to open up the offense and defense, doing some different things to kind of get these guys back in love with the game of football. I gotcha. Yeah, mental toughness is imperative when it comes to football. And I know your guys are probably facing a lot of that right now around two weeks into preseason camp. Um, do y'all call it fall camp or preseason camp or what do y'all call it? I'm so old school, I call it fall camp. <laughs> right. You know, there's a big argument, at least around here with our sports guys. Some of them, they say fall camp. Some say preseason camp because they say it's still 100 degrees outside. Um, either way, though, football season is here. So without giving too much away, I want you to talk a little more about your roster. I know you have two All-SAA players returning in tight end D.B. Bennett and kicker and punter Ethan Claypatch, and we will eventually circle around to staff changes. But first, the roster. What other players should fans be on the lookout for this season? Of course, continue to be on the lookout for D.B. Bennett and Ethan Claypatch doing some really big things and great things for us on the special team side of the ball for Ethan and then offensively in the tight end position for DB. Um, I, you know, from there, I, I look at our I look at our, our quarterback position. You know, Bodie Davis is doing a phenomenal job of leading our program and leading our team as well as some of the weapons that we have placed around him with some seniors at receiver with Connor Rucker and Tamias Mason that are starting to grow and really take into leadership roles. Got some new things happening in the backfield with some of our running backs and a lot of transition there that I think is in a positive direction. I don't want to give too much away there, uh, but really loving what I've seen there with that group. Um, a lot of competition and a high level of play. On the offensive line, it's kind of a good situation for me. I'm bringing back most of my starters. I played with three freshmen last year. They will return and help us back again. I'm a sophomore coming back. It'll be a junior that's going to step into a major role for us. So finally getting some age back up front. And then on the defensive side of the ball, really going to lean into our defensive line is where most of our seniors are, are laden, um, doing some really good things there. And they are playing at a phenomenally high level right now. And, return almost all of our backers as well. Those guys are coming back and we've had some new additions in that room that I think will really help push us over the edge. And then I look into our secondary and glad to know we have some starters coming back there with Darren LeBitt uh, returning for us, being in the safety position and a couple other guys as well that I've expected to see some big breakthrough movements for them as we finish up through fall camp. Well, it sounds like you have a lot of confidence in the roster you have right now. And one of those new additions at linebacker is Jackson State transfer Donald Turley. How's he looking this camp? Turley is looking good. He is, he is doing really well. He's everything you, you want in an older guy. Um, when I say older, he is older, you know, as, as you might know. Um, and so that is good. He's bringing some leadership into that role that is, that is needed just because it is a younger group. Um, and doing a phenomenal job getting guys lined up and, and doing some really good things that I'm excited about. And he's continuing to improve daily and, and getting them right as we go. 
And any D1 transfer is good for a D3 program, especially in the day and age with the portal and with NIL. Um, have y'all been able to take much advantage? I know you kind of got this flooded on you. You were promoted in April, um, and now you're heading into a full season as interim head coach. Um, have y'all been able to take advantage much of the transfer portal? We, we you know, we have a little bit. Uh, we don't live in that world. You know, I still believe that college football is really rooted in the high school athletics. Um, and so we, we really lean into that as well. Now, um, we, we will get some guys, like you brought up with Donald Taylor. We also have a receiver that's transferred in from Arkansas State. Uh, Blake Wiley is doing a really good job as well. Um, so that does happen as well. But what we find is that we really try to lean into our roots of what we know. Um, and there's a lot of great high school football players, not only in this state, but in the surrounding states. So we really try to lean into that. And um, we work a little bit in the junior college realm as well. You can't miss it if you live here in the state of Mississippi. You know, it's, it's, kind of a, it's kind of a staple, needless to say. So being where we're at, I just think that's the blessing. You know, there's not much like football anywhere else than it is here in the southeast. So we're lucky to be in a great area so where we can do a lot of things at the high school level with our recruits. You got that one right. You guys do a great job in Mississippi, Texas, Louisiana, and other surrounding states. I've always thought that Division three schools, they didn't dive into the JUCO system enough. JUCOs have a lot of players that aren't necessarily taking that next step to the D1 level, but they're still hungry to play. They still have a good head on their shoulders. So I'm glad to see that Millsaps is cracking into that. So looking at your coaching staff for the season, there are some new names on the staff page here. You have Jared Burden at offensive pass game coordinator, Christopher Royal at defensive coordinator, Marcus Haynes at defensive backs and safeties, Floyd Tarver at linebackers, and then a very familiar name will be coaching the defensive line this year, and that's Ty Nix. What do you have to say about the new staff on campus? Yeah, we, you know, we're looking good. We had a uh, you know a lot of transition, a lot of change, but I think it's moving in a great direction. And we're looking for coaches, or at least I am looking for first of all great men, guys that can help lead these lead these guys into becoming better men, and then coaches on top of that. You know, they have to be great coaches, they have to be great teachers in what we do. Um, and I think I got that. Karen Burton is doing a phenomenal job as our offensive coordinator. We got him from uh, Mississippi Valley prior to um, and you know he's doing some really unique things with what we're doing on our offense and really changing the game a little bit on some stuff that we had in mind and plans for this season uh, and then Chris Royal coming from University of Tennessee Martin who I think has just done a great job of getting these guys all on board you know when you change and, and you have a change of staff like that there's always a little bit of question on the guys minds um, and I really truly believe that both of my coordinators have done a phenomenal job of getting everybody on the same page and moving to the common goal of this football team. How has the transition been for you personally going from assistant coach to the front man? Yeah, it's been it's been fun. It's been a wild ride, I will say that. Um, you know, as a young assistant, you know, I always heard that you always think you're ready for it until you get there and then you find out you weren't as prepared as you might have thought you were. Um, That's right. It's a lot more delegating than you think. Without a doubt. Without a doubt. It is. It's a lot more delegating, a lot more hands in the pie, if that makes sense. Absolutely. Um, and just trying to 
be more in depth with the program and having the pulse of the team and getting out of that realm of just necessarily worrying about my position group or my side of the ball. Um, but it's been a blessing, you know. When I when I had the opportunity to do this, I, I told multiple people that that's all I wanted was the opportunity. Um, you know, and I, I believe that given the opportunity, I can make some things happen and move forward in a positive way. And that's all I wanted is the opportunity. This is a goal of mine. This is basically the ultimate goal that I've had for my life is to be a small college football head coach. And so I'm living the dream and can't ask for nothing more than that. It's all working out. Um, are you coaching a position group still going into this season, or have you kind of fully stepped away? No, I am still uh, coaching position group. I'll still be coaching the offensive line. Um, that's just where my heart is and, and kind of the, the, the big uglies, as you would say. And uh, so I'll still be working with them hand in hand. And uh, been blessed to have uh, some, some help with some younger assistants along the way that will help assist me with that so that I am able to step out and, kind of be a little bit more involved everywhere else, but I will still be coaching the offensive line. Um, I have a few more minutes with you, if you don't mind, about two more questions I want to ask. One kind of goes back to the new day and age of college football. It's very different from when you and I played. We now have the transfer portal. We have name, image, likeness. And yes, that stuff is haywire on the Division One level, but it's slowly seeping down to Division Two and to Division Three. I recently saw that this kid out of Amherst, Jack Betts, has been proclaimed the king of D3 NIL, something with like 90 brands, 90 endorsements. Obviously, that's atypical, but I have seen Whittier out of L.A. They no longer have a football program, but they had one of the first NIL deals, and that was something simple. You know, every kid on the team gets food at the local tavern or whatever it was. Has NIL quite yet hit Millsaps? You know, it has. The, the age of social media for these guys is kind of opening a lot of doors. Um, and it's a blessing for them. So, you know, it turns out every now and again you'll hear from somebody on the team of, hey, you know, I, I've, got a, I've got something going on with promoting this place or promoting this thing or promoting, you know, I, and I'm all about it. I encourage it. I think the more that we can push the brand of Millsaps College out into the market and long you know, that's an amazing thing. And you know what? If it can help our guys out, then why not? So I'm glad that it is trickling down to this level a little bit. It is It is haywire. It is crazy. It's a lot to track. It's a lot more work for somebody else to be in charge of. Um, but it's a blessing, too. So you have to kind of look at it as both sides. And, again, it gives us a chance to continue to push the brand of not only college football, but also for Bill Sapp's colleges as itself. I really do think if used correctly, it can be a win-win situation. Uh, you played college football. You know that it is a full-time job. On top of classes, on top of your social life, playing a college sport, no matter the level, is a full-time job, but the people that do it love it. And so compensation is not a question from my stance, at least. But I, I was thinking about kind of what you said over the weekend. And for smaller schools on the Division three level, I do think if done correctly, it can be a great marketing opportunity for both the player and the school. Let's take an insurance company, for example. Hypothetically, an insurance company reaches out to a defensive lineman for Millsaps. They say, hey, we want you to post about us on your social media, vice versa. We'll post about you. And as compensation, we'll make it easier for you to afford your auto insurance. That's a win-win for both the kids 
kid, the school, and the insurance company? Yeah, you know, I think as long as that, as long as we're following the rules as far as what is compliant and everything like that, to the NCAA and to the school itself, it, I'm all about what benefit both sides. I really am. Um, and I think that's kind of what the factor of all this is. And I know us as coaches and compliance directors all across the nation, we really had to bulk up in learning of this. Um, because just when you think it doesn't, oh, this isn't going to affect me, it comes knocking on your door probably the next week. Um, I remember when this all first happened, I was like, oh, this, I don't think this is going to filter down to Division three too quickly. And then here it comes. You know what I mean? Yeah. You guys that things that are going on and like I said I mean I'm all about any way we can help and, and I agree with you when you can get a chance to promote yourself and make yourself in a better situation help yourself out and then on top of it for me the selfish side is being able to chance to promote the, the school itself as, as a, you know, I mean it's, it's a win-win it really is as long as it's done correctly it is a win-win and as if the NCAA wasn't already confusing enough beforehand. Without a doubt, without a doubt. One more rule, one more thing you have to remember and figure out. That's right. <laughs> um, okay, one more question for you, Coach York. I really appreciate the time today. I'm a huge uh, proponent of Division Three. I know you are too. One of the ideas here with this show is to get more people on our side of the fence in terms of appreciating Division Three football so to the people listening who have never been to a Division Three football game, what would you say to them on why they should come out to one of five Millsaps home games this fall? You know, playing Division Three myself and, and coaching in it, I always thought of it this way. It's an opportunity for someone else to continue to play the game. I think that there is a bad stigma that Division Three is a less than sport are a less than acceptable, uh, which is completely far and away from the truth. I have played with a lot of guys at the Division three level with and against that have gone on to play in the NFL and have long careers in the NFL. I think the problem that we get in this world is we just have this unrealistic expectation that it's less than. And it's not less than. It's just a little different. You know, maybe not everybody is blessed, and I'm one of them. You know, played offensive line in college. I was not blessed to be six foot five. Um, to be honest with you, it wasn't blessed to be much right at six foot. So the opportunities for me to go and play somewhere else at college was dwindled. And Division Three was able to give me the opportunity to do that. And I was able to go and play college football for a while. I had a great career and um, was able to better my life, not just because of football, but again, following this dream of football that pushed me to get a college degree and move me forward in my life. And I think that's the biggest thing that we leave behind when we think of Division Three is that we get in this world of thinking it's something it's not. It's it's still football every day. They put on their pads just like we do, and there's some really darn good football players in Division Three. A really good darn football players. I mean, so, you, you got that right. Look at Mason Kinsey, Pierre Garçon. We could go on with more Division Three players who are in the NFL. Yes, sir. Absolutely. All right, Coach. Well, thanks for your time. We'll see you in just a few days when Millsaps takes on Bellhaven in the Riverside Rumble. That's a 7 o'clock kickoff, and we'll be right back with From D2 to D3. 
Well, both of those interviews went pretty well and I think provided some good insight into both Coach York and Coach McCorkle's teams heading into the 2023 season. If you have any Millsaps or Bellhaven friends out there who haven't yet heard of From D2 to D3, please direct them here. If they feel like they're in the dark regarding this year's teams, or maybe they just want to learn a little more about the teams they plan to support this fall, this is definitely the place for them. Okay, so before we get into the over and unders for Millsaps and Bellhaven's overall records this year, I want to go over a couple stories from around the state and the nation. We'll start with the one I teased in segment one, and that's an all-black turf field. It's at SUNY Morrisville in New York State. If you haven't seen the picture, it's absolutely mind-blowing. I'll share the picture on my Twitter, um, at JT Mitchell Radio, well, Twitter, X, whatever it is, whatever Elon has decided to call it, at JT Mitchell Radio. You can go look at that picture. I kid you not, it's as dark as the night sky. Yes, I know Boise State has the Smurf turf. They're blue, they have the blue turf, and I honestly think that's pretty cool, but I really don't know how I feel about a black turf field. Maybe you'll grow on me, probably not. I mean, if you've ever played on a turf field, you know it gets way hotter than grass. It just absorbs the heat, and that's just talking about green turf. Black turf sounds like it would be the 10th circle of Dante's Inferno. I mean, that's something we could definitely not pull off here as it's 100 degrees outside, but in the words of Shakespeare, to each their own. Moving on to some Division II news in the NFL, I'm looking at an article here from Courtney Cronin, who, fun fact, got her start at the Clarion Ledger before moving on to cover the Minnesota Vikings and now the Chicago Bears. And Courtney is reporting that the backup for the Bears could very well be D2 product Tyson Bajent out of Shepard University. And, you know, Bajent was a really good player at Shepard. I remember watching him some. He won the Harlan Hill Trail. Which is the equivalent of the Heisman, but for D2. He also threw for a gazillion yards. Cronin reports that Ahmed PJ Walker's struggles this preseason. Bajent is slowly but surely pulling ahead and will likely back up Justin Fields when the season kicks off in a couple of weeks. So that'll be an interesting story to follow for you D2 fans out there. It reminds me of Joe Callahan with Green Bay when Callahan had a pretty good line of success. He flirted with PT. He got to start one game in December of 2017, I believe, and backed up Aaron Rodgers for a couple of seasons. Uh, One thing I want to do real quick before we get to the over and unders for Bellhaven and Millsaps is look at a couple of preseason coaches polls I have here in hand. On the D2 side of everything, Delta State is predicted to win their ninth conference championship. The state's been received 61 total points. That was five points better than second place West Florida. Those two teams tied last year as co-champions in the Gulf South Conference. Say these predictions do hold up. Delta State would win back-to-back championships for the first time since 2010 and 2011. Moving down the GSC coaches preseason poll, you have Delta State at one, West Florida at two, West Georgia at three, West Alabama at four, Valdosta State at five, and then Mississippi College at number six with 32 points. So they're not nine, they're six. 
Mississippi College went 4-7 and seven last year, and they're hoping for a lot of change on offense. The old offensive coordinator, Tommy Laurendine, who I actually used to play for, he's gone off and is now the tight ends coach at the Naval Academy. They brought in Cortland Hayes, the new OC, and Hayes is expected to bring more of a balanced attack. I heard him in a TV interview the other day saying we're going to utilize both the rushing and the passing portions of our offense. Coming after Mississippi College was number seven, North Greenville, number eight, Shorter, then last place on the 2023 Gulf South Conference preseason coaches poll is Chowin. On the Division Three side, I could not find one for the Southern Athletic Association, which is where Millsaps plays, but I could find one for the USA South Conference, and Bellhaven came in at number two with 55 total points, three first-place votes, and they came behind only Huntington, who had 61 total points and six first-place votes. And we won't go all the way through that. Just know that Bellhaven should be the number two or number one team in their conference this fall, which is a nice segue to how many wins I think Bellhaven will have this fall. So let's just set the over and unders at the number of wins from last year. So for Bellhaven, that would be eight. I'll go ahead and give you a simple answer, over. They will absolutely win eight or more games. I mean, I'm looking at their schedule right now, and they have the capability of going 9-1 and or 10-0. and You heard what Coach McCorkle told us. The offense is in better shape than last year, and last year they were pretty dang good. 16th best in the nation at around 461 yards per game. They're really good up front. We know that. They have All-American caliber talent at running back. Tim Johnson is having a really good preseason camp. He should take that next step playing under center I think Bellhaven really could win the USA South this fall the key game is going to be October 7th against Huntington it will be at home this year so that will be in the Blazers favor but I think if they beat Huntington they go 10-0 their only two losses last year were Huntington who did receive some votes uh, right outside of the top 25 going into the preseason from d3football.com Bellhaven should have in my opinion they also lost to Maryville last year by three points. If they beat Huntington, they're definitely beating Maryville. Could go 10-0, 9-1 if they lose to Huntington. As for Millsaps, I really like the energy Coach York brings to the table. I think Coach York is going to be a good head coach. He's young. He probably relates really well to everybody on that roster, but I'm also going to keep it real. I think Coach York has an uphill battle in front of him from what I've watched from the majors over the past few years. And after speaking with Coach York, though, I am convinced that if anybody can turn this ship around and get Millsaps back on the up and up, I do think Coach York has a chance of doing that. I also think he has a great opportunity in front of him to prove himself and get that interim tag removed. So Millsaps went 3-7 and seven last year. We set the over-under at 3. I'm glancing at the schedule I have in front of me. I think they'll beat McMurray. I hate to say it, but they'll probably beat Sewanee. I do think Andy McCollum will get Sewanee back on the right track if some administrative decisions are made to help him out there. I think Millsaps will beat Hendricks. I also think they'll surprise me with another game or two, maybe Southwestern, maybe Rhodes. Both of those teams could 
could be a little more vulnerable this season. I'm going over for Millsaps as well. I'm going over for both of these teams, and I can't wait to watch that happen this season. So with that, the first episode of From D2 to D3 is in the books. Make sure to tune in to all the games we have going on on Thursday, August 31st. Mississippi College and Kaiser, 5 o'clock kickoff. Delta State at Missouri S&T, 6 o'clock kickoff. And then Millsaps and Bellhaven at 7 o'clock. And by the way, I'll tell you now, MC and Delta State will also win their opening games starting the season 1-0. You heard it here first. We'll try to catch up with both of those coaches from MC and Delta State on the next episode of From D2 to D3. I'm your host, JT Mitchell, and thanks so much for tuning in. Catch you next time. Are you a business owner looking for help with HR benefits and payroll? MWG Employer Services offers a wide range of services and can create a custom plan that fits your needs and budget. I was so overwhelmed with HR stuff. MWG Employer Services took all the stress out of it and even set up my payroll. I couldn't be happier. MWG Employer Services is here to help you succeed. Call us today at 601-206-7966 or go to mwgemployerservices.com. A Super Talk Mississippi Media Production.